We're going to be in Luke's gospel today. Pastor Lou and I talked about what might be a good thing, a good topic for me to take on today. And he wanted something from the gospel of Luke that would kind of transition with Isaiah to us. And that's why we're in uh, Luke's gospel. We're going to be starting with, uh, I think everything is up there, so 21 to 35. And this... This passage of scripture dovetails well into Isaiah and into uh, where we are in the New Testament world, as it were. And so we'll show how that works out as we go through. Um, the passage, Luke 2, 21 to 35. I have labeled my theme today, waiting for Jesus. You know, in this life, we find ourselves waiting for a lot of things. If you're a young person, you wait for birthdays and presents and, you know, school to be out. <laughs> Eventually a driver's license. Anybody in here looking to be a young person driver license? Okay, there probably are some. Have those, you know how, what that's like. Waiting for a job, waiting for a first date, waiting for college. <laughs> a lot of things they wait and they, they come and they go fast, don't they? And then other, you know... You know, others, as we get into adults, we're waiting for careers, you know, preparing for college careers. We wait for marriage (laughs) and then kids and then jobs that will help us to advance and vacations and then inheritances, retirement, and waiting for that all-important commodity called grandchildren. And if you are waiting for grandchildren, you know what I mean, you know. You know, yeah. Okay, where are you, when are your kids going to have kids for us? You know. <laughs> and then when life finds us old, we often are just waiting for the end. I've talked to many a Christian beat down with all kinds of things, and they're waiting for Jesus. This past week, Harold Williams called me from the nursing home of which he has a wheelchair ministry at 98, a track ministry in the in there. He's the only man left off from his landing craft on Omaha Beach. I talked to him. I feel like I'm talking to a man who is a hero. And we talked together, and he said, Perry, my wife is in the next room, and she's probably on her last few weeks. I just want to let you know that they're going to bring her into my room. But she's going home to be with Jesus, and I want to go there soon. And I'm going to go up and try to visit him. It's hard to get into the nursing homes. But I was thinking of Harold. He, he, he's not waiting for all the things we just talked about. He's waiting for Jesus to be in his presence and probably will be. He, I have sat for hours as he told me how they took the pillboxes on the top of Omaha Beach and then went up, up into France and liberated France. And that his captain and him were the only ones left. And his captain went on to be Captain Bennett of the commandant of West Point. I mean, you know, couldn't even, you know, you sit there and I'm just thinking, wow, you did that, you did that, they did that. Praise the Lord. And he's a, an amazing believer. You can't be around him when he's not trying to tell you that you need Jesus Christ and you need to come into the kingdom. And I'm thinking, Lord, and with that hat on Omaha Beach, survivor, there's not a lot of people that will not listen to that gospel from that man. He's led more people to Jesus Christ at 98 years old than I'll probably ever lead to Christ. But he's waiting for Jesus. 
And that's my passage today, waiting for Jesus. Funny story. Officer, highway patrol, he's on the road. <laughs> and he, uh, he said, today I'm upset. I've had a tough week, and people are speeding by all the time. He said, I know there's a couple speeders, and I'm going to get them if I have to wait here all day. So he's on the side of the road, and here comes this guy down with a old hillbilly pickup truck, and he's going through, and he's going down that road, licking his place. The lights come on, that cop comes out. He looks at him, and he says, you know what? I've been waiting for you all day. <laughs> Just you, the top speeders. I've been waiting for you all day. He said, sorry, officer. Uh, I got here as fast as I could. <laughs> I think it's an ABG or something on the side of the truck. I don't know. I couldn't remember what it said. <laughs> what are you waiting for? And we're waiting. Who are we waiting for? We're waiting for Jesus. When we get to this passage, just before we do, Philippians 3.20 says that as a believer, our citizenship is in heaven. And we eagerly await a Savior, the Lord Jesus Christ. Our citizenship is in heaven. We're citizens of the United States, but that's not really our citizenship. That's a very temporary one. If you were to talk to Harold Williams, this dear man, this, this wonderful man from World War II, tell him, where's your citizenship? He said, it's, I'm, I'm about ready to become a full citizen in heaven. I'm thinking you got it. Lord, help us to eagerly await that. I know there's many other things we've mentioned that we await. We all have our list of what we're waiting for. But the fact of the matter is, Lord, I'm waiting for the Lord Jesus Christ. I was in a tough meeting this week, and I mentioned those spiritual realities, and I was laughed at. But I wasn't with believers. <laughs> You're not laughing. You're saying, yeah, I'm, I, I want to be home with him. And the more grizzled you get, the more gray you get in your hair, the more you know. <laughs> You're closer to Jesus' time than now. Now, some of you aren't grizzled. There's no grizzled people in here, are there? I don't think so. Yeah. Waiting for Jesus and God's timing, our first point. Joseph and Mary, they were waiting. When the fullness of time had come... God sent his son, in Galatians 4, 4, born of a woman, born under the law, to redeem those under the law that we might receive adoption as sons. He was born under the law. Jesus said he did not come to abolish the law, but to fulfill it. And the law of Moses, all that was in there, he fulfilled right to a T. And that precious Savior came in the fullness of time, just when God meant him to be coming. There was one, one basic business language of the, of the world, and that was Koine Greek, common Greek, and the Bible was written in that. The Roman Empire had 300 years, would be, of, of peace, where anybody could go with the gospel all over and bring it. The Greek world, the Roman world, everything was set up in the fullness of time Jesus came. Not now, not in the United States at this time, but then God meant the fullness of time. And Joseph of Mary... We're standing in the uh, court of the Gentiles, and they came. They had waited for his birth, first of all, of course. She gave birth to her firstborn son, laid him in a manger. But eight days later, they had a, a time that they were waiting for things. Eight days after he 
was born, a very important event happened. He was circumcised. Didn't have to be at the temple. Could have been in Bethlehem in a synagogue or somewhere else. At the end of eight days when he was circumcised, he was called Jesus, the name given by the angel. And before he was even conceived in the womb. Took him in. Circumcision was a sign of cutting off that which is corrupt and evil and wrong. And Jesus had no need for sin to be cut off. And, but because he identified with us and became sin for us, he went through. And to obey the law of Moses, he was circumcised, which was bringing you into the covenant between God and Israel. And he was circumcised. But one, one wonderful thing happened, which we do in the hospital. <laughs> I can't remember when we gave names to the kids. It was so long ago. <laughs> you know, you pick out a name, you say, okay, and the hospital says, now what is the name? You know, and they have this little footprint they put on there and this, you know, and other prints on there. And then you give the name. You name your child. And later they say, why'd you call me that? <laughs> but the fact of it is, you were there and you did it. <laughs> oh, Lord. But she's in the court of the women, widespread courtyard. Women could not go into certain areas of the temple where men could, but they could go into the court of the women and they were into a place that was flat like the Empire State Plaza area. And they were there holding this 40-day-year-old baby. 40 days old, Jesus. And they're waiting with him. And they're waiting because he, as they bring him to the temple 40 days later, during the circumcision, well, we got a little bit of it. During the, during the circumcision, when, when they circumcised them, the name, what's the name? And they said, his name shall be called Jesus, which means uh, salvation. It means God is salvation. His name means the Savior, Jesus. And then they waited 40 more days after that eight-day wait. They circumcised the beautiful name of our Savior, Jesus. His name means I came to save you. His name means so you don't end up in eternal loss, I came to save your soul. I love the name Jesus. It's a precious name. It's a name that will stir your soul. It's a name that will captivate you. It's the name of the Lord Jesus Christ. And then they waited for the purification and Jesus' dedication. The time came for the purification according to the law of Moses, 40 days for a boy, of course. They brought him up to Jerusalem to present him to the Lord and to offer a sacrifice of what is said in the law, a pair of turtle doves or two pigeons. The uncleanness of this pregnancy, which women went through, it was there. And 40 days later, now there is a sacrifice to be made. And you could bring a lamb, but in those days, a lamb was several dollars in our money. But it was only like 69 cents in our money for a turtle dove. And that was the offering of the poor. Mary and Joseph did not have any money. Though he was rich, yet for our sakes he became poor, that we through his poverty might become rich. And he had these very inexpensive offerings. No more, no less powerful in the heart and mind of God, the Father. They came in, <laughs> and they offered these animals, these birds, for purification. 
for the firstborn son that had to be done. They brought him up to Jerusalem. He's, he's, in, he's at the temple. They didn't have to go to the temple for this. could have happened in a synagogue. But they're six miles from Jerusalem to the temple. And it was wonderful that he was at the temple. I think it was providential from God Almighty that his son would be, his, his family would be purified and that he would be presented before the Lord like Samuel it was. Remember when Samuel, his mother said, I pray for a son, I pray for a son. God gave her a son and he present, she presented, Hannah presented young Samuel and he stayed with the Lord, was one of the most powerful prophets that ever lived. And now, here's another prophet, priest, and king, Jesus. And she presents him. Now, get this picture. Probably Joseph and Mary are somewhere between 13 and 15 years old. That's tradition for marriage and children. They They weren't in Jones of New York, Calvin Klein, or anything else. They were in very modest, very peasant-like attire. And they were standing there in the middle of the court of the women, which was not the most prestigious court. And they were there waiting their turn to offer the little doves and to present to the Lord their son, saying, he's yours, Lord. You gave him to us, but we've given him to you for what ministry you said he would have. It would be global. It would touch Perry Jones at 14 years of age in Cremon's Hollow, it would touch you. It would touch you because Jesus Christ, my Savior, has given me salvation. He knew who I was. He knew all about me. And he knows that you in this church, we're going to go out this year. And we're going to see many people come to faith because we're going to bring the gospel of Christ to them. We're going to bring the love of Christ to them. We have to. So that's what was happening this young peasant couple. They also had to do something else, which probably was tough. They had to take five shekels. You don't know what a shekel is. We're not much more than a quarter, less, you know, the size of it. They had to take five shekels and give five shekels to the firstborn male to redeem him. You say redeem him. Buy back his life because he's not going to be a Levite. And in order for the Levites to have the money they needed, they would charge five shekels to every firstborn male who would then uh, not, they would be redeemed for Levitical service, but the five shekels. And they gave the five shekels at that point. All that to be done. They were waiting to do all that. Praise the Lord. They were waiting for God's timing. I'm so glad they did it. I'm so glad they were... They were both righteous and devout. They were both waiting to do what the law of Moses said they were to do. They followed God's word as it was for their day. Waiting for Jesus while staying faithful. Oh, Lord, there was a man in Jerusalem. His name was Simeon. And this man was righteous and devout, waiting for the consolation of Israel. And the Holy Spirit was upon him, and it had been revealed to him by the Holy Spirit that he would not see death before he had seen the Lord's Christ. This little peasant couple standing in the court of the women with their little baby, 40 days old, at best cooing in the, in the place. And an old man comes up. 
I don't know how old he was. Some people don't think he was old. He was old. You can look at the language of this passage as we go through it. He's an older man. He's been around the temple his whole life. He's been waiting for Jesus his whole life. Because here the Holy Spirit revealed him to him that he would be alive when Jesus came and he would see him. I mean, that was quite a prophecy for this dear man. Two things about him as we first, we first meet him. His name is Simeon. It means God hears. He prayed a lot. He prayed for this consolation of Israel, this comforting, this Savior that would come. And he prayed, and the Bible says God heard. Isn't it a privilege to pray and God hears? I love his name, Simeon. God hears. Lord, when I pray, you hear. This past week, I was, I was in a meeting where I was opposed by a lot of folk because they didn't like what we're doing. Some of you know all about that. And I was in that lion's den. I'm thinking, Lord, you're not, not, you're, you're not absent. And then the rest of the week, I realized he wasn't. That he had literally heard my prayers. Well, this guy, Simeon, God hears, had been praying about Jesus his whole time, his whole life. We don't know all the details of time. They're not given to us. But we know that two things about him. First of all, he was righteous, and he also was called devout or holy. Righteous. It wasn't because he was a right-living guy and would say, hey, listen, look at me. I, I, I've got, I do everything right. had nothing to do with that. But a belief in the Messiah to come. He believed God, and it was counted to him as righteousness. Abraham believed God. God said, you'll have a, you'll have a son. You'll have, a, you'll have as the sands of the sea, your family will be. But you'll have one who will bring salvation. He will be one who is able to save his people from their sin. He was told about Jesus, and he believed it. And it was counted to him, put on his account, that as you trust Christ, even in the Old Testament, there was a sense in which you became Right, justified before God, made right before him. Not because of who you are, because of right things which you have done, because of what God is going to do through Christ. Abraham said he will, he will bless the entire world. Thank you. Messiah was virgin born. He's the son of God. Isaiah said he, he would be the coming king of Israel. Isaiah 53 said he would suffer for us and pay the price for all of our sin. He knew that. I love the fact that because we've been studying Isaiah in here, he knew Isaiah probably better than we will maybe ever know it. He studied Isaiah. He knew Isaiah. You can go all through Isaiah and Jesus is there, Jesus is there, Jesus is there, Jesus is there. Why would a Jew like him before Jesus came, why would he not know Jesus? After reading what Isaiah had to say, you'd say, man, I knew. He's just coming. And Lord, we're praying that you'll keep coming. We're looking for you. We're waiting for you, Jesus. We're waiting for you, Jesus. We're not waiting for Jesus to come. The first time, we're waiting for Jesus to come again. He was, he was on the first roundup. <laughs> Thank you, Lord. He was waiting. He was righteous. I love Isaiah 53, 11, and we haven't got there yet. I won't take lose all the loose stuff. He's coming back to do that eventually here, I think. 
I don't know. I don't the preaching schedule is right <laughs> between these two guys and him. I don't know where totally it is. Isaiah 53, 11, oh, I'm going to tell you that. By his knowledge shall the righteous one, my servant, make many to be accounted righteous. I love that verse. It's one of my favorite verses in Isaiah 53, 11. By his knowledge, by what Christ knows and by his knowledge of salvation and how he saves our soul, he shall, he shall make many to be accounted righteous. Not the, not the fact that they're, they're good or they've done right, but he will account them to be righteous. It's justification. It's making you right. Because he shall bear their sin or iniquity. He wasn't just righteous, but he was devout. I love the word devout here. In the Greek language, it just means to be careful. That's the really root meaning of the word, to be careful. Do you ever have go out of the house and your parents say what? Now be careful out there. There's a lot of stuff out there. Be careful. Now, what do you mean by that when you tell them to be careful? <laughs> I mean, don't drive too fast. Don't be with the wrong people. Don't be doing substances you shouldn't be doing. And you be real careful out there. There's a lot of danger out there. But here he says he was devout or cautious. Cautious to make sure he took the, the scriptures and, and lived them out. Just not live any old way you want. Be careful, kids. You get into college and everything else because the values out there today are mounting and mounting. Just do whatever you think is right. And I'm telling you right now, follow the scriptures. Be cautious. Be careful to be devout before him, to do the things that you're supposed to do. Follow God's word. Obey it. It's, we'll call it sanctification or meaning to be separated from that which you shouldn't be. Be careful because the world will call you away. This dear man, Simeon, how old he was, we're not totally sure. We know he was an older gentleman, and he was justified by faith in the coming Messiah. He believed he was coming. He believed Isaiah 53, probably knew it by memory. And he was devout. He was, he was one who knew how to live for the Lord. He was waiting while hopeful for the coming consolation, the comforter was coming. What's this consolation? Well, Lou just preached recently on Isaiah 40. We're all there. It says, comfort ye, comfort ye, my people. And then it goes on in so many places there to talk about Jesus. That the comfort or consolation or that coming Messiah, Messiah, would be a comforter for his people. He'd come on. He knew, he knew that they struggled in their sin. He knew that they struggled with people who had overpowered them. And, and he just says, God's going to send the Messiah. He's going to send a Savior. He's going to send a comforter, the consolation of Israel. They knew that. Her warfare will be ended. Her iniquity will be pardoned. That's Isaiah 41. And the glory of the Lord shall be revealed like a shepherd who shall tend his sheep. And if that's not New Testament Jesus, big time, I don't know what is. Isaiah 40, verses 1 on. He's going to pardon them. He's going to end their warfare. He's going to, in other words, bring them a millennial kingdom where he shall be king. He, he, I'm going to tell you, you have to get up real early in the morning to get spiritually ahead of this guy. He knew his Bible. 
And this was nothing. And Jesus, 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 Jesus is the only channel he had on. Oh, Lord, help us. <laughs> help us to be centered on him. He's coming back. Don't let the world get you off track on that. Eagerly await him. They were part of a very small remnant, though, guys. That place was probably packed. Were not a lot of people like Simeon there who were waiting for Jesus. A lot of them were hypocritical. They were legalistic. They had a, they had they had Judaism in their hearts and lives that they were doing, but they were not ready in any way to receive him. It was a very small legalistic group. But then there was a remnant, and in front of us today in this passage is a remnant. Two kids who were giving their hearts to to the Lord by all means. And this dear man who had lived for the Lord and God had heard him. The Bible says the Holy Spirit was upon him. That made a big difference, didn't it? The, the, the new covenant in the Old Testament said that God is going to put his word, his spirit in their hearts and, and they'll, they'll be changed. They'll be transformed. And that's why when God saves you, and you put your faith in Christ. The Holy Spirit comes to live inside of you. That is just wonderful. That's wonderful news. Well, the Holy Spirit was upon him. <laughs> and the Holy Spirit was controlling everything you had to say to us in this passage. He was waiting while sustained by a special promise from the Holy Spirit. He would not see death till he had seen the Lord's Christ. How'd you like a promise like that on your life? I don't know if there was a Mrs. Simeon here in the crowd, you know, in that group. I thought, Lord, well, what if Mrs. Simeon got a hold of her son or her husband and said, now listen, you stop eating so much of that pizza and you don't eat this and that because there's a lot of cholesterol in that. And you know, you could die. You, you could clog up your veins and die. And he might have said, well, you know, I can't die until I see the Messiah. <laughs> Uh, hand me another piece of pizza, please. <laughs> I'm, not, I'm, not, I'm not sure. That was the key. <laughs> Can you imagine the Lord said to you, you're going to live until Jesus comes, the second coming, if you want to bring it real close to home. Lord, you just told me that I'm not dying I'm physically until Jesus comes again. Well, that would be quite a thing. But this man had a promise. Oh, my. Well, waiting for Jesus means, though, we must keep in step with him. Yes. This part, I don't ever, I've been, this part has kept me up a little bit, trying to think, of how did this happen? <laughs> and he came into the spirit, he came in the spirit into the temple. And while the Pharisees, um, excuse me, let me, let me get my tongue untied here. And he came in the spirit into the temple. And while the parents brought in the child, Jesus, to do for him according to the custom of the law, he took him up in his arms and blessed God and said, Now let your servant depart in peace according to your word. For mine eyes have seen your salvation and that you, that you have prepared in the presence of all peoples a light for revelation to the Gentiles and glory to your people Israel. He came in, in the spirit into the temple. 
Now get this, there's thousands of people all milling around that Temple Mount. There's all kinds of places they can be. And there's two little peasant people, they're teenagers, just getting a start at life, and they've got a little baby that's 40 days old, and they've come to do exactly what the law of Moses said, so that this child will do everything that God had commanded, to identify with us and to die for us someday. So they're there. And then there's this old guy that's been around the temple probably a long time in his life. He might have even been looking at, you know, kids that came in for dedication, you know. Like, I wonder if this is the one. Is this the one? Is this one? You know, I don't know. He, I'm sure he scouted around a little bit. You had a promise like that given to you. You might be looking. You might, your eyes be sharp for the next baby you see. <laughs> and some of our ladies in the, up in here are carrying babies. Pray for them. <laughs> Pray for these dear little ones. But the fact of the matter is he came into the temple, and I don't know why. Sometimes I think maybe the Holy Spirit acted like an alarm clock, at his bedside and said, Simeon, get up, get up, it's time. <laughs> get up, what you've been waiting for, they're waiting for you in the, in the court of the women, get over there. <laughs> I don't know, or maybe he's scouting around. Somehow the Holy Spirit of God Almighty guided them together. We all would have differences on how we think God's Spirit guides us these days, but I know he convicts us of sin, and I know sometimes God says, very talkative man, Perry, Zip it. You ever have anybody like that when the Holy Spirit says zip it? I know my, 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 the Holy Spirit is speaking to me and say, or he's saying, hey, cat got your tongue? Why don't you t- say a little bit about me? Thinking, yes, sir. I'll witness. The Holy Spirit does guide us. He directs our steps. He, he, he helps us as we study the scriptures. The Holy Spirit is busy in your life when you when you let him control you. The Bible says, you know, be filled with the Holy Spirit of God. Be filled with his control. Be filled with his, his power over you. And so, I don't know how it happened, but they got together. He was divinely guided. It must have been, I, I can't even imagine what it was like when, when the Lord said, yep, that, that's him. It doesn't look like him. He's just a little peasant child, peasant child, but that's him. Later, Isaiah would say, or earlier, Isaiah said, who shall believe our report? Who's going to believe this? He's obscure. He's not not anybody that somebody would just say, oh, yeah, that royal figure over there. No. God sent him in a very plain wrapper to us to identify with our humanity. Thank you, Jesus. Waiting for Jesus, keeping in step with God's spirit. He came in. He saw the child. I don't know if they talked. I get this thought that maybe as they were talking, they told him about his birth, about the angels coming and the shepherds and about angel Gabriel coming to tell her that she's going to have a child and that the Holy Spirit had come upon her and there was no, there was no biological father, but that God had becoming had, had had given her a child conceived by the Holy Spirit. They may have talked about all that, but I'm sure this 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 old man, it was a capstone of his life. He worshiped and praised. He took him up in his arms and blessed God. There's a there's a Christmas song that says he kissed the face of God. But the fact of the matter is, he had this little baby, I don't know how old a 
a 40-day-year-old baby is, but they're pretty small if I remember my two that I had. <laughs> you can hold them in one hand, most of us guys, you know. But the fact of the matter, he's got this child. <laughs> got this child, he's there and he's worshiping. He's blessing God. He says, Lord, this is him. This is the blessing of my heart. This is everything I need. This is who I want. This is the, the culmination of my life and heart and worship. Is your son. But unto us a son is given. The child is born. Isaiah 9. You know. Thank you, Lord. He worshiped and praised while holding the son of God. <laughs> and he's ready to go home now. Let your servant depart in peace according to your word. Wow. Let your servant depart in peace. Lord, do we say that? Do we say, Lord, I've done a lot of things. I still want to accomplish a lot of things. But if Jesus comes, it's over. It's the culmination. I can go home in peace because Jesus either comes or I meet him in the air. I meet him in glory when I die. I'm happy. It's, it's the top of the pile of my life. It's the most amazing thing that has ever or ever will happen to me is to meet Jesus Christ. Then that's where he is. He's ready to die. He said, Lord, take me home. It's what you want me to be and do. He recognized an awesome importance of Jesus' saving power. He says in Luke 2.30, My eyes have seen your salvation that you have prepared in the presence of all people. And salvation, he says, now is Jesus. Jesus is salvation. Salvation is Jesus. And that's how he looks at it. That's how I look at it. There's no other name called our Savior. No other name called our Messiah. No other one like him. He is Jesus, King of kings and Lord of lords. I try more now to put his name into conversations as it fits or into writings to know, to let people know he's the only thing that you have. And Satan in America today is trying to do everything he can to get everybody sidetracked on all kinds of other stuff. And don't let them do it. You don't have to fight them or throw them on the ground or anything like that. But you keep the name of this precious Savior alive and strong. Do it. Don't allow it to be the other way. Mine eyes have seen your salvation because your salvation is Jesus. Jesus is your salvation. I see him. He's prepared in the presence of all people, not just Jerusalem, not just the Jews. And then he says two things. He says he will be a light for revelation to the Gentiles. I will give you as a light to the nations. Isaiah 42, that's what it said. Isaiah 49 says, it's too light of a thing that you should be my servant to raise up the tribes of Jacob and bring back the preserved of Israel. I will make you as a light for the nations that my salvation will reach the ends of the earth. Isaiah 49, 6. God says, you're, you're way too important, way too big. My son, I'm going to give you for the salvation of the ends of the earth. Guarantee you, Isaiah was a common book for him. He knew it. A light for the nations. What's the, what, what were the nations doing back then? They were in total darkness. My family, on my mother's side, they were in Greece, living around the Corinth area, and they were worshiping every god they get their hands on. 
in Corinth, Greece, where the big temple was to Aphrodite, the, the goddess of nasty love situations. That's where they were. They were the, there was no light on there. They were all in total darkness. And then God, through his son, brought the light to the earth. And so now you don't walk in darkness. You, you walk in light. Don't ever walk in darkness again. Do not allow your soul to go back there. Walk in light. Oh, Lord, thank you. Go to our last point. Waiting for Jesus while warning of his crucial importance. His father and mother marveled at what said about him. They'd heard a lot of different things. Mary and Joseph were standing there with their mouth wide open. He's going to save the world. He's going to be so most powerful. He is the Jesus of Jesus, the salvation of salvation of God Almighty. And all the things he said that was going to happen, they'd heard. They'd gone through that you shall have a son, you should call his name Jesus, save his people from their sins, rule on the throne of David. They had heard all that. But what Simeon had to say, we probably don't have all of it. They were, this young teenage couple thought, wow. Did you ever say wow when you're reading the Bible? When God does powerful things in your lives and you just say, wow, Lord, you are awesome. I marvel at who you are. We better start marveling at the power of Christ. This country needs us to do that. They marvel. And Simeon blessed them. And he had a warning. Not just for them, but for the world. And those are the points we end with. This child is appointed for the fall and rising of many in Israel. And for a sign that shall be opposed. And a sword will pierce your own soul so that the thoughts of many hearts may be revealed. Just three things. He is the dividing point of the human race. There is no one on earth more like him. He will divide in half, in two. People who love darkness. Some will decide to trust him and others will decide to reject him. You cannot be Switzerland. Typologically. You can be switched and come to faith. <laughs> but what I'm saying is, Switzerland said, well, we're not on your side, and we're not on your side. We just don't take a stand on this. And I agree with that. It was probably helpful in World War II that that happened. <laughs> but if somebody says, no, I, I don't, I'm not for him. I'm not going for that, trusting him as Savior. But I'm not going to beat him up. I'm just kind of in the middle. I'm, I'm neutral. Well, you've already made a decision to be against him. If you're not with me and for me, Jesus said, you're against me. He'd made that very plain. And so at this point, he's the dividing point of the human race. He is a cornerstone to some and a step and a a stumbling stone. That theme is all around him. A a cornerstone is what you you build the whole thing on, your life. A building is a cornerstone. He's the cornerstone, rejected by the Jews, but also the cornerstone of a life. Lord, be my cornerstone, that my whole life will be built upon you, and without it, would not have no, it wouldn't have any strength. But he also could be the stone of stumbling. Now, some of you who have ever hiked with me, you know my hiking trail name is Fall Down Freddy. <laughs> and if Richie Cole, you're in this room, you're in big trouble. But the fact of the matter is, I can stumble over a pebble the size of, you know, nothing, and I'll be on my face. 
If I fall 10 times on a trip, it's probably, and sometimes I've almost gone off a ledge just falling over rocks and things. And somebody says, man, you about bit the farm on that baby, you're gonna fall on your head 30 feet. I said, yeah, probably wouldn't be a good idea. But can you imagine there's a stone and the stone is there and people, that's, that stone represents Christ and they stumble over it to their peril. Some that was a cornerstone and others that was, Ooh! it was a stone of stumbling. I'm thinking, Lord, be my cornerstone. Be my cornerstone. Two thieves at the cross. One says, Lord, remember me. The other one says what? He says, if you're the Christ, why don't you come off the cross and get me off here too? And he went to his death that way. Peter repented. Yes, he, he denied him, but he repented. Judas betrayed him and committed suicide. Never came to faith. He's called the child of hell or perdition. You're going to meet people that are just going to say, I'm not interested. I remember, I remember my next door neighbors at the old mission. And they were Orthodox. I loved them. They were like grandparents to me in many ways. But I tried to witness to him. I loved him with all my heart, this man. I tried to witness to him one day. I had some tracks for Jews. And I, I just, I had, given, I had gotten all my, you know, your, your nerve up. And I got to him. And he had studied with the rabbis, some very, very orthodox ones his whole life, almost every morning. And he put up his hands like that. Exactly what happened. He said, stop. Please stop. I, I, you cannot do this in my presence. In other words, talk about Jesus. But later on, his wife and who and I, she would have me over for borscht and everything else when he was on sales. Uh, there was something else going on in her. She said, Perry, I'm an Orthodox Jew, but if a Jew accepts Jesus Christ as his Lord and Savior, will, will they still be a Jew? I said, Absolutely. You will be a completed Jew. You will be a Jew that has received the Messiah that God has promised you. You'll have everything else. You will not stop being Jewish. And she said to me, oh, thank you. She didn't ask for any more witness than that. But I thought, Lord, in one heart is stop. And the other heart is, tell me more about it. Never forget, I expect to see her in heaven someday. We take some borscht up there and share with the borscht. If you know what borscht is, it's beet juice made up a little bit. Okay. Uh, his dividing point, and you'll see it as you go forth. That's okay. Just expect it, but keep going. And the fact of the matter is, a sign who will be opposed. Men love their sin and their darkness. They didn't want to come to it. They refused the light. They wouldn't walk. He he is a sign from heaven, pointing to salvation, pointing to your sin being wrong, and you turn from it. And some people say, "I oppose that." And the Jews mainly opposed him. Very few Jews even received him when they came. They mocked him, abused him, hated him, rejected him, vilified him, and then finally crucified him. He's opposed, and that opposition, there's, in other words, there's no neutrality. And then lastly, Mary would suffer the extreme sorrow of watching her, tort- her son tortured to death. A sword will pierce your own soul so the thoughts of many hearts may be revealed. 
You know, you think, Mary's standing, a poor little lady, maybe 14 years of age, and she's looking at him and he's saying, Mary, I've got, a, I've got some tough news for you. They're going to ram a Thracian sword through you someday. You say, what's a Thracian sword? A Thracian sword from Thrace, the Greek language, especially in the LXX, it takes it and it says it's a Thracian sword. It is a sword where it's so long, it's almost like a javelin. It's not just a little stab sword that they use in the ghetto. It's a little stab knife. This is, will go, the Thracians used it because it would go right from here right to the back and went right through you. It was like a javelin dash sword. He says a Thracian sword will be thrust through you. And it wouldn't be literal, but it would be through her soul as she watched her son die. And she watched him die, and she watched the most putrid and hatred and all the hate and darkness that Satan could throw at them. She sat there, and, and, and he said, it'll be like a Thracian sword, a javelin sword, rammed right through you, and it'll come out the back of your soul. You will be so sad. There will be no grief like it. He said, I want to tell you that. And he's the first one that's been telling her that now. Oh, Lord. Do you know the price that was paid for your salvation and mine? Do you know the price of this precious woman who was in the upper room after his resurrection? Much of that would be addressed and healed. But she still went through it. Lord, thank you. But it says that the corruption of many hearts will be brought out. And again, there's going to be heart stuff coming out when Jesus is rejected, when there's persecution. You'll find out what's really in the heart. It's going to just spew out. And that's what happened. Mary saw the worst of the worst of the worst put on her son. and He did that for you and me. Nothing he had done. He loved you and I. When I get to heaven, I'm going to say, thank you, Jesus. I'm here. I'm not here because of anything I did. I'm here because you paid the price of all my sin, and I receive you, and I believe you. I trust you the best I know how. I turn from my sin. I turn to you, and I say, Jesus, thank you, Savior of the world, the glory of Israel. He said, it's the light for the Gentiles, the glory of Israel. It's their crowning joy and pleasure that that Jesus came from their line. And when I told Mrs. Saul, you gave me two things that I'll never, ever forget and will always stop and love you. I said, Jews gave me my scripture and Jews gave me my savior. So she knew that that they weren't important. Well, as we close, if 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 you know Jesus, I know a lot of you do, and you're trusting him. But if you're at that critical place, where it's at, the, it's at the hour of decision. And I want to tell you, he's the dividing place. There's no neutrality. Turn to him and say, Jesus, save me. Be my Lord and save me. I'm giving you my heart. There's no other salvation. Peter said, there's no other one under, under heaven, given among men, whereby we must be saved, the name of Jesus. Isn't it great? I, I close with, what are you waiting for? <laughs> if you don't know him, trust him. And if you're, if you're knowing them and loving them and you're waiting, be expected with great expectancy. Oh, Lord, he'll use it. He may be today. I haven't been given any promises like Simeon did that I'm going to be alive when the second coming happens. But I'm going to tell you, I'm going to be with Jesus one way or another. Father, we thank you. We ask that we might take this message.
that we have seen your salvation, it is Jesus, 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 sweetest name I know. Oh, Lord Jesus, thank you. The one in here that says, I'm turning to him. I'm not going to say no, I'm going to say yes to you, Lord Jesus. We'll give you the praise and the honor and the glory. In Christ's name, amen.